The Bereans searched the scriptures to find out if what the people were saying was true. Doctrine divides as it should to separate right from wrong. If you don't enjoy the Bible or talking about the Bible, this podcast isn't for you. wanting to do some video for a long time and Jeff finally purchased the materials possible for us to do video. Oh man. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Tonight I'm going to be your host. My name is the man who wrote a book and that book is my friend Jeff and how he perfected humility. And then yes. Jeff Jeff also is writing another book. It's kind of it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's the twenty four elders in the book of Revelation and how Jeff led the other twenty three to the Lord. How <laughs> Jeff and Caleb led the other twenty two. <laughs> it's a picture it's a picture with Jeff here, I'm in the middle, and then my arms around Jesus like this. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit bigger. He's a little taller, yeah. He's, he's got, a little bit taller. It's a pop up book. It's a pop up book. It's one of those Hoopa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got some fun stuff for you. We have some stuff, some fun stuff playing for you. I'm a little yeah. video. I'm I'm looking at myself and I'm. I know I can't. I I, I yeah. can't. I can't do that. I'm. I don't know how to. I don't know how to fix it. But I we're know. gonna. We can't uh, yeah. fix it because we're recording it, and I want to be able to. People want to see you, and they want to. Yeah. See, well, yeah. people want to see you. They don't want to see me. I'm I have, sure, a, I'm sure, I have a face I'm sure. for radio. I'm sure seeing a stretched out Chuck Norris is like exactly what they wanted to see. Friends, friends, if, if you wanted to know what Chuck Norris looked like, if you had on the couch his entire teenage years, boom, here it is. <laughs> no, we got a couple things playing for you. A couple things playing for you. We're going to do, uh, we're going to look at some of the songs that are on the top charts, the Christian charts, and we're going to tear them apart theologically, showing you how to do that. Uh, and, and kind of walking you through how we kind of tear apart songs and, and question things and look up things in the scripture. Uh, if we have time, we're going to talk about uh, biblical conflict and how we, how we solve biblical conflict and what we're not supposed to do in the midst of biblical conflict. And then we're going to then also talk about teaching children. How, how are you supposed to teach children? What are some of the, the techniques and some of the things that Jeff and I have used, not only in just teaching our own kids, but then also being youth pastors 
and pastors some of the the tricks that we've we've picked up along the way tricks of the trade that's right tricks of the trade and as much as i would love to find out how much jeff was excited about the patriots winning <laughs> yeah i saw a meme it said uh, it had um uh, it had quarterback uh from the eagles it says i'm an eagle and then I had a quarterback from the Jaguars says, I'm a Jaguar. And then I had Tom Brady says, I'm a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because he's from, he's from the Patriots. Yes, but he's a cheetah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go, let's go on to the songs here. So we, we have three songs that we, that we did, just the top three. Uh, originally, we wanted to do the top ten, and then – after just doing research on the top one, I realized <laughs> it's going to take too much time. It's going to take way too much time. Yeah. So the first, the first song on the Christian charts as of this afternoon <clears throat> on the Apple charts is so will I from Hillsong United. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to sing it for you. Oh, now. please do. Please do. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just read a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about. No, 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 no. You promised singing. I no, want to hear singing. I'll, I'll sing the Reckless Love song. How about okay. that? Right. I, I might actually be able to sing that. I actually forgot what So Will I sounds like at the beginning. Okay. Actually, it sounds like this. There's like this drum thing that starts in the nice. beginning. Yeah. Nice. All right. So here, here's, here's the opening lyric. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark. And fleshed out the wonder of light. What do you think, Jeff? Jeff? Just, just your first thought of that first lyric. The good, first, bad, the, good, bad. What? Just tell us. I, I okay. I, in all honesty, I see what they were getting at. Yeah. At the beginning. Yep. They started to lose me when they talked about him fleshing stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So, but 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 I get it. I get I get, I get you know. They're saying that God is eternal. He's infinite. Okay. There, there, there's really nothing that I disagree with in the first three stanzas, right? In the first three right. lines. God of creation, yeah, you're there at the start, the, before the beginning of time. I agree with that, okay? Yeah. I could sing that in my church. But then it says, with no point of reference. So, so God created with no point of reference, almost as if everything was spontaneous, right? Yeah. But, but we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and we're going to we're going to assume that they meant that there was nothing created in which he borrowed from already created things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, although theologically it would probably be better to, to say you spoke it out of nothing. Right. Um, because we know that God eternally decrees things. He thinks yeah. back yeah. and he planned things before he created. Okay. Right. You spoke to the dark. Uh, okay. He spoke while it was dark. Right. And yeah, yeah, they kind of they they're kind of personifying the dark a little yeah. bit when they say he spoke to the dark. But yeah, I, I think that's going to come into play later when it mm -hmm. talks about our hundred billion failures disappear. Okay, but yeah, uh, spoke while it was dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not like like I poetically, I guess I understand that there was like nothing, and then he spoke, and then these things started to gather together. And, and it's what the first day of creation when he spoke and there was light, yeah. he said, let there be light. And there was light. Right. Yeah. Like, I get that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but fleshed it out. 
Okay, so we'll we'll talk a little bit later on on some of the weird theology that Hillsong. Yeah, I don't think they're trying to teach it. I think it just creeps in because they're bad theologians. All right, yeah. so so that's the first verse. Okay-ish. Okay, we're going to say okay-ish. Yeah. All right. Then then this is the 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 chorus. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. This is where I put on the brakes and said, wait, as you're speaking, like, is this like a past tense as you were speaking? Or is this right now God is still speaking uh, galaxies into creation? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think and I, I, again, benefit I, of the I, doubt. I, benefit of the doubt. I'm trying to, you know, because I know, I know people will say, well, you're just being hard for hard sake, whatever. Okay. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they mean in the midst of creation. Okay. We'll give them that. We'll give them that. All right. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form poetic, poetic. weird, but poetic. Yeah. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. All right. So here, here's where you get the course, right? So will I, this mm-hmm. so will I is shows up so many times. And, and I'm just going to make a, a, a an editor's suggestion to Hillsong as they go on. It should be called. So should I. Yeah. Like it should be so should I. Right. Not right. So will, so will I. I. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's almost as if it's almost as if, as if they're saying, "Well, if others are doing it, I might as well jump on the bandwagon." Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, oh, and, I'm, and I'm hey. capable of doing it as well, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. capable of doing this without yeah. without the help of the Holy Spirit, who they really focus on. Ironically, is completely absent, absent. from the song. <laughs> So will I. Okay. Should be, so should I. And then it says, I can see your heart in everything you've made. Now here, now here, here's something a little interesting. Okay. So I understand, I understand what they're getting at. You can see God and, and what's important to God in his creation. Yes. But if we follow the scriptures, the scriptures actually never teach this. You know what it teaches? It teaches that we can see his glory in creation and we can see his attributes in creation. Okay. Now that's an important distinction. I think from just seeing your heart, like seeing God's love. Yeah. No, 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 no. You don't see God's love. You see God's <laughs> glory. You yeah. see God's love in the cross. You see God's love in, in, in the, in the special revealed word of yeah. God in, in, in natural theology. You see his awesomeness. You see his glory. So, and then it says every burning star, a signifier of grace. Once again, I'm going to, I'm going to say just change grace to glory. And Mm -hmm. that would be amazing. That's a great image. Every burning star is a signifier of glory. Oh man, that would be, that would be be brilliant. That's a great line. Yeah. But of your grace, maybe, maybe, maybe God's riches, uh, of no, you know, I didn't merit this. Okay. Maybe, but I think glory is better. Let's be more biblical, but we're still giving them the benefit of the doubt. Trust me. We will get into their bad theology here in a second. It says if creation sings your praise, so will I now, now, by the way, I I think this is going along Psalm 19 and and that's Mm an appropriate response. Okay. Then, then we get to this next one and it says, God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken, all nature and silence follow the sound of your voice. I agree with that 100%, right? I mean, I, what, you know what I found funny about that is they don't believe that. 
No, they don't. Theologically, they don't believe that. They say that, and it's great, but they don't. The people who wrote the song don't actually believe that. But 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 it's biblical. See, that's it the is, thing. Yeah, it is biblical. That's probably why they don't believe it. Yeah, so. but it's a great. That's that's a great. That's a great lyric. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then we get then to the problem because they changed some of the some of the choruses. Yeah. Right. And it says, "As you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath." Now, 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 yeah. now here, okay, if they mean breath of life, now, now, now notice, how many times are we giving them the benefit of the doubt here? We, a, a lot. That's a, a lot. lot. It has it's been a lot. a lot. Yeah. Now, if they mean breath of life, I agree. Okay. Every, every, every creature has the breath of life and it originates from God. But that's not what they said. Mm-hmm. Catches your breath. Mm-hmm. Now this is now this is a light form of Christian animism, where yes. they believe that there is something divine in every being. Now yep. whether they teach that or not, I don't know. But that's what the song teaches, right? Mm-hmm. That that's what yep. that's what I see. All right. Yep. So already now I'm kind of like, all right, that's weird, because because that's not the case. Every creature does not have a little bit of divinity inside of it. Right. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I know. Yeah. Only believers have that. Only yes. believers have divinity, but it's yes. not, it's not intrinsic to us. It's right. alien. Right. right. Then it says evolving in pursuit of what you said. Now here, now here's another problem. There's no getting around it. One, I don't know what they mean by evolving. Mm-mm, no, I, I'm not other than evolution. Right. Right. We're talking about natural revelation. Right. So that's a huge problem. But then it, but then it has the idea of these creatures in pursuit of God. Mm-hmm. Now, now hold on a minute here. My dog, John Calvin, I have a little Chihuahua <laughs> Terrier mix, John Calvin, does not pursue the words of God. Right. 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 The, the fish that you caught a couple days ago, Jeff, did you lure them in by throwing pieces of the Bible out on a hook? And they're like, oh, that's the gospel of John. I no, but if I thought that worked, you better believe I'd be out there. <laughs> Funny, funny little thing. I, I, my, my dad was talking to me about maybe fishing. He's going to Israel, and he was like, wouldn't that be cool if I went fishing? And I said, I would love to go with you and stand from the balcony of the hotel. And, and, and if you didn't catch anything, just yell out, cast it on the other side. <laughs> when two pastors go to Israel, oh, man, that would be yeah. so much fun. That would be hilarious. He also said he's going to Mount Carmel. And I said, that has to be the most delicious thing I think you've ever said to me. (laughs) That is awesome. All right. So creatures do not pursue what God says. In fact, theologically, there's not even a single person in among themselves that pursue what God says. Right. Exactly. So, so already we can see. Yeah. No one one seeks seeks after God. God. Yeah. Okay, so then the next phrase, if it all reveals your nature, so will I. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, okay. I can see your heart in everything you say. True. Every painted sky, a canvas of your grace, glory. Yeah. And it says, if all creation still obeys you, so will I. No, so, you won't. Yeah, okay. No, you won't. So, but again, there's that caveat of, so if they didn't, you wouldn't? That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
Yeah. So if they still do it, then, you know, I will. I'm going to follow along with the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I will. My dog, John Calvin, does. All right. Then, then the next one. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. Okay. If the mountains bow down in reverence, so will I. If the, or- if the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. Now, that, that last phrase is a great phrase. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That's true. Let's give them props, right? If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. Mm-hmm. Good point. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. That's borrowing from Jesus, I think, right? Yeah. If the sum of all your praises still falls shy. But wait, 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 wait. If the rocks cry out in silence or from silence? Or- because it, it says if we're like, silent, the rocks will cry out, not the rocks will cry out in silence. Because you can't yeah. cry out in silence. Right, 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 right. Maybe, maybe Psalm 19, maybe I misspoke Psalm 19. You know, yeah. their speech goes forward, but no sound is heard from them. Yeah. Okay, I we'll give them that one. Okay. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again. Now, wait a minute. If the, if the sum of all our praises falls shy, then we'll still sing again. A thousand billion times. Yeah. Well, if it's falling shy, you're just going to keep on singing and singing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Maybe, maybe. Then it says, God of salvation, you chase down my heart. Ah, here's Arminian. Here, here's Jacob Arminius. He snuck in the back door, right? <laughs> you chase down my heart. Now, now mm-hmm. if they mean irresistible grace from a Calvinistic point of view, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Maybe chase down my heart is too touchy feely and mm-hmm. probably not the best phrase. Yeah. You know, you called, you know, you beat down my arrogance. Yeah. But that's not what they mean. No. So, so you get this idea of God who's helpless and he made too much guacamole for the party in heaven. And he's just chasing, <laughs> just chasing every single thing. Right. Yeah. And then it says, through all my failures, it's like, it's like God is like chasing, and like all of our failures are like a barrier for God. But yet yeah, he's like, he's so relentless that through all my failures and pride, on a hill you created, the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. Now, okay, what do you think of that, Jeff? Did the light of the world get abandoned in no, darkness to die? No, he did not. And you know that I have an issue with that, with that uh that view of, yeah. of the cross and, and that, you know, where, you know, it says, you know, God turned his back. That's not scriptural. It doesn't say he turned his back. You know, where does it say that he was, he was abandoned that way. Right. You know? But, um, and they get that because on the cross, Jesus says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. Right. But Point yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that is that I, I don't understand the separation that they, uh, that they put in there and saying he's a yeah. man. Just, yeah. A because the Trinity himself. never ceases to be the Trinity. Exactly. Because, it because cannot God cease to be the Trinity. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God can never put himself in a situation where he ceases to be God. Exactly. And you being. Right. Okay. So, so we understand that as theologians <clears throat> and we understand that, that God did allow the sins of the world to fall on the sun. Right. He did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rescue the son from the darkness, right. from, from the man killing him. Right. But this is all part of his plan. Psalm exactly. Two, where, where, where the apostle Peter says, you crucified him according to God's predetermined plan. Exactly. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like God's fighting. And he's yeah. like, well, what, 
what's the only way that I could demonstrate my love to these people that yeah. are just constantly failing? What, like, is, yeah, what am what I going to do? I, what am I going to do? I'm going to kill my son, and that'll show him how much I love him. Yeah, there we go. That'll show him. That'll show him. All right. Now we get to the rank. If you didn't mm. think that was rank, this next phrase is, and yeah, to me, I would, I would stop singing the song. It says, as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. That's straight up mysticism. Mm-hmm. Straight up. It's talking about how God's creating us brand new as he's speaking right now as you're singing the song. Yeah. Well, and, and think about it this way with their, with, with their theology as well. I mean, again, sin is not sin. It's failures. You, you know, yeah. everything is dumbed down. It's, it's all of the things that I've tried in my life just didn't work out. God's going to fix that for me. And now all those disappear magically as God speaks. What? <laughs> I'm no slave to fear. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, so I'm going to skip the rest of it because okay. it just kind of is the same. But I'm going to go down to the very last tag because yep. they, they make another very obvious thing that, that they should have caught. But, but, but it's kind of telling. All right. It says, so this is the very end. This is how the song ends. Like you would again a hundred billion times, but what measure could amount to your desire. You're the one who never leaves the one behind. Okay. Now, is that true? Does God leave people behind? Of course he does. It's called hell. Hell. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like, so, so I think, I think they're calling, I think they're, they're, they're talking about the leaving the 99 and going after the one. We'll talk about that in the next song because the next song references it. There it um, is. Which is, which is, um, the one you said you would sing. Don't think I forgot about that. I know. <laughs> Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. <laughs> Anyone who's ever heard the song says that is the worst rendition of that song. <laughs> so the next one is called Reckless Love. And this is by our friends at Bethel, who uh, I saw today. They're now doing tarot cards. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that. then they're doing drum circles where they're dancing and women are going around naked. So No, they're not. Yeah, check it out. Museum of Idolatry, my friend. Museum of Idolatry. They have videos of it. I don't but know if I want to see that. Everything's blacked out. Everything's blacked out. So, like, the nude women are blacked out. Like, there's but – it, but they're nude. Like, it's very clearly – And they're doing that at Bethel. They're, it's, it's people associated with Bethel. That are doing that. Yep. Some other just, students. Just when you think it can't get any worse, there it goes. Oh, I think I think the cows have left the barn already. Mm. Okay, right. reckless love. Yep. All right. So here. <laughs> all right. So uh, mm, starts off good. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. Now, ah. Zephaniah 317 talks about God singing over people with joy. But you know what that's in reference to? Jesus Christ coming back and singing over the rescued Jews in the millennial kingdom. Yeah. Okay. Well, and Bethel and Bethel and a lot of a lot of those, they see God, their main view of God is this masterfully artistic, all the time hippie God. Yeah. That's 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 their view of God. It's it's hippie God. It's this hippie God. Yeah, it, yeah. 
I am oh. writing that down. Write it down. Yeah, so it's talking about when God has rescued his people. And they're saying, you before I even said anything. So like the next phrase makes it very clear that it's before their birth. So, mm-hmm. so, so you get this idea that before they're born, God had taken such an interest in the people in Bethel that God is singing songs over them. Like Einstein baby, right? Einstein. <laughs> The next phrase. You have been you have been so so good to me. Now that's a true statement. We'll give him props. Good, <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, good. So so good to me. So so good. That's an understatement, but yes. That, yeah. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. Now I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt birth right i'm not think i don't think that this that they're maybe they're talking about regeneration in the mother's womb but we'll just say birth we'll just say birth yeah you have been so so kind to me now i don't put god's giving allowing me to be born as his kindness but i guess it could be i guess i just think yeah and i but it's weird yeah it's weird it is weird because kind is such a very docile word yeah does that make sense i mean does that make sense i mean kind is that's kind of what you say that's kind of what you say when you're trying to not say something bad about somebody it's like that's right. oh they're you you're really kind that was yeah. that's kind of you yeah, that was, that, yeah that's kind of like that's kind of like the lowest compliment you could give that was kind yeah 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 you're a kind person yeah that's that's what that's what you say when somebody gives you a really bad gift you have a right. kind face, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. My mom my mom my mom thought so too. Yeah. Moms always have the best things to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right, so here we get to the chorus. Oh the okay. Oh the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Now, now <laughs> now, even people at Bethel got a little upset at this phrase reckless. Okay. So we'll we'll applaud that. Now, the overwhelming love of God, yes. Good mm-hmm. word. I yeah, think that's a good yeah. word. Yeah. Never ending. I think that's a good word. That's a good right? word, yep. Reckless. Yeah. No. What does reckless mean? It just means haphazard. It's just gone. It's just out there. Yeah. Now, 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 I do have uh, – this is the statement from the author herself. This is what she said. She said, when I use the phrase the reckless love of God, I'm not saying that God himself is reckless. I never thought she said that. Right. I am, however, saying that the way he loves is in many regards quite so. What I mean is this. He is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regard to him, to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. <laughs> his love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike. Oh, there we go. And I might even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. So she could have wrote, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, ridiculous love of God. Yeah. 
That, she pretty probably much. and honestly, she probably thought thought that word first and said, "No, I think I've used that in another song." Yeah, maybe it was the song I put guacamole avocado. In. <laughs> <laughs> then she says, "His love bankrupted heaven for you." What? No. <laughs> what? What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't I, know. I, I'm finishing up my mind. God's got a God's on a fixed budget here. And yeah. and he gave his last two dollars so that you could get in. To it's heaven. just it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of salvation because we're given yeah. the riches of Christ, which is his own righteousness and himself. Mm-hmm. Every believer is given the righteousness of Christ. Right. He didn't bankrupt anything. Right. It's not like he's on the cusp of losing his sovereignty yeah. by sending Jesus Christ to die. No, they believe that. I'm sure. Right? Well, That's I mean, look what she said. I mean, she said he, he, you know, without any concern to his own safety and security. Who could damage God? I mean, really? Let me, what, what, there's, there is none more safe than the one who created all. So, right. I mean, what are you going to do? But I guess in their, I guess in their theological economy, if we don't believe, he loses power. I guess I don't know. I don't know. know. Like Santa Claus, he's like yeah, yeah, he disappears. Now, 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 when we think about his love, we need to realize that God is concerned and thought of His own glory. See, before the foundation of the world, He set out the plan. He he determined the plan. So this isn't reckless. This is this is well planned and executed. Yeah. Yeah, this is well executed. Yeah. It's the only way that he set it up. So, so, so if I was writing the song, this is what I would say. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, sovereign love of God. Yes. That would be amazing. That would be a good, that's a good lyric. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then it says, and then we get into this, this dualism, this dualism and Arminianism. It says, mm-hmm. oh, it chases me down. God's love is like the guy who chases down the criminal, right? It chases yeah. me down. And fights till I'm found. Like God's some weakling. Yeah. Like, ah, like ah. where where are you? I don't know where you've gone. I must find you. You've hidden from me, and now here I come. But man, ollie, ollie, oxen free. Come out, right. come out wherever you are. But if you put in the sovereign love of God, then it says, Oh, it chases me down. That's true. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he's called us, right. And then and then instead of said fights until I'm found, what if what if you put beats down all my pride and leads me to Christ? Yeah. Boom. Draws me. Draws me. Draws me. Yeah. Draws me to Christ. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Then but then her next lyric is leaves the ninety nine. So this is talking about Luke fifteen, okay? Mm -hmm. Fifteen one through six. Right. Right. And I don't know if you've studied Luke one fifteen one through six in the past. 24 hours. No, not but it's quite interesting hours. because the first two verses <laughs> demonstrate what the parable of the 99 are. Yes. It says now, now all the tax collectors and sinners were come him to listen to him. That's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. And so then it's the sheep, but, but he asked the question. He starts off by saying, what man among you, if has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Then he gives another parable of the lost coin. Mm-hmm. Then there's another parable of the, the prodigal, the prodigal son, son. 
Yeah. Right. Which, which a lot of people just end when the son comes back thinking right. that's the they, end. Yeah. They don't talk about the brother. Yeah. The big brother comes home. Yeah. But, but, but this is, this is, this is the key of all three is in verse 32 of that same chapter, but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and began to live and was lost awesome. and has been found. So, so Jesus is saying, this is why I'm with the tax collectors because they're lost. Yeah. What he's demonstrating to the Pharisees is that they love their own possessions more than they love lost sinners. That's right. what the 99 is about. He yeah. says, what man among you wouldn't go after one of your own sheep if it's lost? Yeah. Shouldn't God go after lost souls? And shouldn't yeah. you be rejoicing that there's somebody trying to rescue these lost them. souls? Yep. That's what the 99 is about. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with God like leaving 99 and looking specifically for you. I don't even know what that means. I, what, he leaves the church? Like the omniscient, omnipresent God, yeah. All of a sudden, goes all right. Ninety-nine percent of you all just got to start fending for yourself. Yeah, I'm gonna go over here. I gotta find There's I gotta, one person. Yeah, got my sights on. He'll eat guac. <laughs> He'll eat guacamole. But then it says, "I can't earn it. I don't deserve it." Amen. Mm-hmm. Still, you give yourself away. Death. Now, now, see here. Here, I think it was Bethel's theology comes in. Mm-hmm. Where they believe in this this experiential, mm-hmm. ecstatic uh, yep. worship. Okay, and, and then it goes. Then it goes on, and it says, uh, "Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God." Bad Bible study. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, let's go to the next verse. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. True. True. Yeah. I agree with that. When I was your enemy, that's exactly what Romans five says. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of amazed that they put that. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, it's contradictory to their own theology. Right. You have been so, so good to me. That's probably the understatement of the year if that statement right above it is said. Right, right exactly. And then here we go. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. That's not sin. See, if your definition of sin is that you've, you have a low self-esteem. Exactly. That means you're still living in your sin and going to hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hate to, hate, to, hate to be the bad guy here. <laughs> but that's what it means. Yeah, because that's not <clears> – sin <throat> is sin is anything that is said, thought, or done that goes against the character and the law of God. Yeah. Right? That, that's, that's what sin is. Mm-hmm. That's what he paid for, for yeah. our sins. And he, pay, and he died and gives us his own righteousness. Then once again, you've been so, so kind to me. Bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad, bad. And then they just keep on singing, oh, the overwhelming, like for like 10 minutes, yeah. oh, the overwhelming, never ending. Yeah. yeah. Then they go to the bridge. There's no shadow you won't light up. Okay. I, I'm maybe. All right. There's no mountain you wouldn't climb up. Not, that's pretty catchy. When you end both lyrics with the word up, great poetry. Ain't no mountain high enough. Yes. Yeah. But then it says, says, coming after me. There's no wall you wouldn't kick down. No lie you wouldn't tear down coming after me. Arminianism. This is true for the elect. Yeah. But if everybody is singing this, you know, without any discriminations. Yeah. And that's the thing that I don't understand. It's, there's almost this universal thought that 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 God is is going after and he's he's pursuing everybody, but then apparently he just fails. 
that God's this massive failure that, that, well, I chased them and chased them and chased them. And then they, they just got away. Yeah. I mean, come on. Shucks. Yeah. I wouldn't sing that song ever. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I just hate that word reckless love of God. I, I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. About these people and this, this really low view of God and like, like man is the center of this. Yeah. You've been so kind to me. You're coming yeah. after it, me. Yeah. Man your, your is love the, is for me. Well, man is the center of all their theology. Man is, you know, and that's why they don't use the, they don't use sin. They use failures. That's why they, you know, they say, you know, they, they have, you're chasing after me or, you know, you've been so kind and good to me. All of those things is because, it's about me. When you go to church, it's about, you know, what's your situ what's your current situation? What do you, you know, what, you know, where do you find yourself? You know, how can God help you out of your situation? And, and, and it's not, what does God's word say? Wretched worm. Look at, you know, thank you. There it is right there. Hashtag Jesus hearts exposition. Yeah. Don't do the other one. <laughs> Put the heart. Put the heart. Do the heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah. Their whole thought process is on God's ultimate goal and plan is to make me happy. And that's all, that's all I care about. If things are going well, if things are going right, then it must be godly. If it's something that I like, it's gotta be God's will. If it's something that, uh, that prospers me, then it's got to be God's will. And that's not, that's not God's word. That's the problem. So I don't know how they reconcile that with all who, all who seek after Christ Jesus, all, all those who proclaim Christ will be persecuted. I mean, how do they uh, how, seek to live godly will be persecuted? How do they, how do they reconcile those things? They don't, they ignore them. And that's why you I don't see think it, they care. Yeah, they don't care because because that doesn't put butts in the seat and coffers in the, coffers in the offering plate. That's right. Or coins in the coffers. So yeah, so that's um, it, it's unfortunate, but and they're super catchy, and that's the thing that really really stinks is that I mean you can you can sing these songs, man, and and like oh yeah, that's kind of you know, but then you yeah. have to think about it. But people don't think about stuff when they sing because there's because there's no more theology in songs. There's no more doctrine in songs a lot of times. So. Well, here's the danger. So for all you music leaders out here, realize this. Music does have a very important part of our theology. Absolutely. It's not just time to fill before preaching and cookies, right? So there's like this period of cookies and then the preaching. We need to fill up time. Oh, I know. We'll play a couple songs. That, no, and, and, and the, the theology, the theology of these people come through their songs. And, and what ends up happening is if you sing the song, your people trust you because you're up there from the pulpit. You're in a way you're representing God and they trust you. They, they think that you're, you're doing stuff that's safe. They're sheep. That's why well, you need shepherds. Yeah. That's and why well, you need exposition. Yeah. And well, and, and, I know we've got another song to get to and I don't want to, I don't want to belabor this too much, but I know there's people out there that are thinking right now. Um, well, we don't mean it that way when we sing it, regardless of, of what you mean, 
you, you have to think about everybody who's there in the congregation. They're taking that and they're going to interpret that. They're going to hear it and they're going to go out and sing it. And they're, you know, and they're going to pull from it what, you know, what is written in it, you mm-hmm. know, and regardless of what you think you mean when you sing it, if it doesn't have solid theology in that song, you're, you're not giving them what they need. Yeah. You're not giving them what they need to be successful, uh, to be, you know, to be productive in their, in their Christian walk. You're, you're actually hindering them more than you're helping them. So, so err on the side of caution. That's what, that would be my, that would be my suggestion. Err on the side of caution. Just don't get involved with that stuff. And, you know, um, uh, seriously vet the things that you put in church. And I think that's important, especially as we get to this third song, because I've Mm -hmm. been in churches that I would consider pretty solid that have sung this song. So yeah. let's get up. Let's go on to the next yeah. one. All right. So this next song actually doesn't have as much bad theology as far as like content, right? because, because this next song comes from a Southern Baptist church, right? Yeah. So, so they're well, kind of, they're kind of in our vein. All right. Well, in- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's, let's clarify this a little bit though. It, though it may be in the, the Southern Baptist convention, it cannot, it can no longer be said that all Southern Baptist churches are the same the same. I mean, if you've been to one Southern Baptist church anymore, you've been to one Southern Baptist church. You haven't been to all of them. And it used to yeah. not be that way. It used to be, right. if you've been to one Southern Baptist churches, you've been to all of them. All yeah. Of them. yeah. It's not that way. Uh, and, and one of the things that I did, I didn't realize until we started doing this study was Stephen Furtick in the elevation church, um, was, was the writer of this song was one of the writers of this song. Um, and I'll tell you right now, straight up, he's a heretic. And even though the Sobaps claim him, or he yep. claims the Sobaps, I don't know how that works, but I don't claim him. And, no. Uh, yeah. No, and, and th- this has this has very clear, like when I think of Southern Baptist, like this song fits uh, Southern Baptist theology, yeah. regardless of Stephen Furtick. Yes. Like Billy Graham could have written this song, and and I, I think. Yeah. No, you're right. Okay, yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll go through it and we'll show you what we mean. Yeah. All right. It says, are you hurting and hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Now, those are good questions. That are, they are good questions, yeah. I, I have no, no problem. And this is Jesus' calling. Now, I take this as the general call, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the gospel call. The gospel I, call. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you hurting and broken? Yeah, yeah. Jesus can fix that. Yeah. Are you overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus yeah. can fix that. Yeah. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Now, all right, this so here, is, here's Arminian theology creeping yeah, in. Okay? Yeah. Which you, which so, you see, what you actually do see more now in Southern Baptist churches yeah. than before because it is response-based. And we and yeah. Southern Baptists have moved towards that, you know, yeah. that Arminian you know, longing inside you from somewhere. Uh, they, they can't be God drawing you because, you know, that would be, <laughs> that wouldn't be. That would, that would go against your freedom. That would go freedom. You can't. That, that's, that's God doing violence to your will. You know, ridiculous. Yeah, so, anyway. so, but, you know, we get it. And then it says Jesus is calling. General call, right? Yep. First, first two questions, even have you come to the end of yourself? I, I have no problem with that. It's the thirsting after, but okay. Yeah. But then here's the course. Oh, come to the altar. No, no, come to yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. The altar is not the, the, the altar is not the saving point. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of altars and people do business with God at the altars, but that's not, that's not, that's not who you come to. You're not coming to the altar. You're, you're coming to Christ. So, so here's the danger. Here's the danger of altar calls. Okay. Mm -hmm. We haven't done much on altar calls, but here's the danger. It confuses the gospel call. Yeah. The gospel calls to believe in Christ. If I, if I say believe in Christ or come down and believe in Christ, I'm adding an extra step, whether yeah. you think so or not, yeah. it, there's an extra step. Yeah. Okay. There's another problem. It's trusting a method other than the Holy mm-hmm. spirit. Yeah. Right. The Holy spirit can do just as much work. Somebody sitting in silence in their pews. Yeah. But, but the idea that they have to come down for some sort of method. Yeah. Right? yeah. No, I agree. I agree completely. Third, Third, there's a problem with how the man-centered thing is, right? The man, man's at the center of this. Mm-hmm. You have to call in a special guy who can do special altar calls. Right. If the lyric was, oh, come to Jesus, oh, man, I would just sing a chorus. Because, yeah. of course, that, that's what's wrong. Come to the altar, okay? Yeah. Then it says, the Father's arms are open wide. Now, some Calvinists might have a little bit of an issue with this. I don't because Isaiah does depict God as standing out with his arms open saying, whoever wants to come, come. I I have no problem with that as far as a general call. I have no problem. I think it's a great image. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. They even talked about the blood of Christ, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So, so if you sing the song, instead of singing altar, just yell at the top of your voice, oh, come to the Lord or come to Jesus. Or you could even say Savior if you wanted to keep it rhyming and keep it in tune. Mm. Yeah, because you could say, oh, come to the Savior. Yeah, write it down. Write it down. Fix it. I'm, I'm going to email Stephen Furtick. <laughs> you have him in your friends list, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike him, we have qualified elders. Oh! His latest book was called Unqualified. And, and granted, I give him the benefit of the doubt. No, no one's qualified except for the work of Christ. Right. I get that. Right. But there are qualifications that the Lord does provide. Yeah, there are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then it says, leave behind your regrets and mistakes. All right, that bad, 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 bad view of repentance. Yep. Bad view of sin, right? Yep. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of life. The change of life is not the repentance. That's the right repentance. Well, and and two, it's there. It's almost equating mistakes with sin, and that's not what sin is. Sin is sin is a conscious choice against God. It is not yeah. something I, oops, oh my goodness, I just, oh, I slipped and fell into sin. That's an accident. I didn't mean to do it. No, you consciously make a choice to sin. That's sin right. is a choice. Right. So, so yeah. So, no, you, it, and, it's not the yeah. same. It's not, it's not a mistake. So, and the, and the idea that God, that Jesus Christ forget, like somehow erases regrets. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. There, there, as far as the psyche of the believer goes, I, I'm fully justified in Christ. And I know everything is done with Christ, but it doesn't mean that humanly I, I, I don't have those thoughts to say, man, if I could go back. Right. Knowing what I know now. Well, and it creates it creates a false sense of um, of what salvation really is and what it does, because then, you, you, you know, then the believers left to think, but I have regrets. I 
I don't feel like all my regrets are, are, are there. So am I saved? It, you know, is there, is there something more that I'm missing out on? And I think that that plays into some of the Armenian and some of the, some of the, the, uh, you know, the Bethel type of mentality of there's always something more that you have to gain in Christ. There's this hierarchy of spirituality that you have to attain. And maybe one day you'll actually leave behind those regrets and do it, but that's not, that's not reality. That's not, not for us today. Not, not for us today. No. All right, then the next lyric says, come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Okay, I have no problem with that. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. That's, 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 that's see, see, here, here's where they confuse it, right? So all of a sudden now, so like, let's say I'm, let's say that I'm, I'm a believer. I'm going to Elevation Church. They're singing this song, right? They're asking people to come down to the altar. Am I coming down for salvation or am I coming down to pray because I have regrets or am I coming down because I have some sorrows that right. I need turned into joy? Right. What happens if I'm not a believer and I have a whole bunch of sorrows? Yeah. Do I come down for joy or do I come down to believe in Jesus? Yeah. And all will of a sudden it, now, things are muddy. Yeah. And will, and, and is the whole point of it just to make me happy? Well, is that what it is? I've just, it, right. it, you know, the whole point of salvation is to make me feel better about myself. I mean, we can go to, we can call Tony Robbins and make him, you know, yeah. him in here to do some self-help yeah. stuff to make you feel better yeah. about yourself. That's not salvation. Right. Um, salvation require, there's a conviction of your sin. I mean, there's a realization of who you are and in that and out of that, we cry out to God because God's drawn us and made us realize that, that we in, in a sense are, are absolutely nothing compared to him. And yet he's still, yeah. and there's a sense of thankfulness. There's a sense of, of uh, uh, just just overwhelming giving your life over to God that makes you want to cry out to him. But there's still sorrow there over your sin. There needs to be exactly. sorrow over your sin. And exactly. if, if all salvation is, is to make me happy, then, well, I can, I can get that fix anywhere. You know right. what I mean? And I'm always going to be chasing that fix. So, right. yeah. I, and, I and, and true joy, true joy. If if they were talking about salvation joy, true mm -hmm. true joy is contentment in Christ regardless of circumstances. Right. If that's what they mean, hey, right. I'm, I'm all for that. But that's not what they mean. All right. Yeah. Then it says, from the ashes, a new life is born. See? See? Nah, we've, already, we've already beat that horse. Jesus yeah. is calling. Yeah. Right. Then it says, oh, come to the altar. You know, his, the his, same thing we've been to. Yeah. Now, 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 I'll be honest with you. Let now, the rinse repeat. The song, there's a there's there's a part of the song that they they kind of just start jamming out and they sing this one bridge over and over again and and I'll be honest with you when I was listening to it I, I really was like oh wow this is this is so true mm -hmm. like I felt like this should have been the chorus like they should have added this to the chorus right it says oh <clears throat> what a savior isn't he wonderful mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah sing hallelujah Christ is risen yeah bow mm -hmm. down before him for he is lord of all sing hallelujah christ is is risen and yeah. the way the song builds when they start singing this man it's it's kind of overwhelming i mean yeah no i mean like, you really you really yeah. feel like yeah oh man i mean i'm in on this all the way yeah i can sing that part of the song if i change altar to jesus or savior and just sing that part mm -hmm. man i could sing my heart out i yeah. th there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this yeah then the last tag gets a little weird it says bear your cross as you wait for the crown okay all right yeah thinking of future take up your cross but, yeah 
and and it's interesting that it's bear your cross. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's very biblical language. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Yeah. No, no problem per se with that. I just yeah. think it's weird. I think it's weird when you consider the other phrase when it says trade your sorrow and trade them yeah. for joy. Yeah. If then and then at the end and you're then, saying and tell everybody. Oh, bear your okay. cross. Yeah. Now, now pick up that, that, that way of execution Yeah. and carry that around with you until you yeah. see Jesus. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's your joy. It, yeah. And, and I have this problem with some hymns too on the end part of that, uh, that line right there is I think there's a, I think there's a very slippery slope of focus of I'm doing this to obtain something in return. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, uh, you'll pick up your cross as you wait for that crown. You're going to get a crown. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I get the, I get the reference to that, but our, our crown is not for us. It's to lay at the feet of Christ. It's, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it, it's the things that I do. I'm not doing for my game. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. I, I'm doing them because of who he is. I do them because out of my love for him, I am compelled to, to do these, to do yeah. what I do for Christ because he's, he's the Lord and, and I'm not doing it. So one day I can say, Hey, look at this jewel in my crown. Yeah. Like, oh, look at what I got. You know, you know, um, I got more jewels than you do, you yeah. know, I'm, nothing like that, nothing of the sense. So I've always had, you know, uh, you know, the hymns that say, you know, uh, there's a mansion in glory, you know, and it's mine and it's mine, you know, I don't, that's great. That's, that's I'm great for a city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my focus and my goal is not to live in a mansion. It's to be in the presence of the Lord. That's, Amen. that's, Amen. that's yeah. my focus. So, so yeah. that's, so I do have, I do take a little issue with that, but it's calm. It's, it is common in songs from hymns, hymns and things like that. But yeah, I think and I agree. I agree. Motivation is so, so crucial, right? If I'm mm-hmm. doing it just to get something that's wrong. Exactly. However, however, when Paul does talk about rewards, they are real and, yes. and they seem to be a very good incentive for the church of Corinth saying, look, you're living for yourself. Right. You're not getting anything. Right. If you live for the Lord and start serving the Lord, he's going to notice yeah. like, like, and it's not going to be bad for you. Right. You know, like, like things are going to be good. There's going to be crowns. Right. There's lots of crowns, lots of crowns. We, yeah. that, that might be a fun, that might be a fun podcast sometime going through the rewards yeah. of the believer and the different yeah. crowns. And I think a lot of people will be surprised what crowns actually are. Okay. Yeah. So, um, since we're doing a video, um, I just wanted to say this, that, um, today's, today's podcast is brought to you by Justin Peters ministries. So check out Justin Peters, friend of the podcast. Great yes. guy. Great, um, great guy. Man, always, always praying for the guy. Really genuine, really genuine. You know, I, I've, I was thinking about this, Jeff. All of the guests that the Lord has had us, allowed us to have on this podcast. I don't think we've had, uh, uh, like, we may have had bad interviews because we're idiots, and <laughs> like we messed it up. Yeah, but we we've had we've had. I think most of our guests have been incredible caliber. Oh yeah, guys, and, and and very reasoned, very scriptural, and so we're just really thankful for anyone that comes on. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was I was actually listening to uh, your interview with Smedley Yates 
Um, uh, yeah. yeah, man, that was such a good interview. That was, I mean, there are, there's a lot of good ones, but that was a, that was a great interview. That was a lot of, he was, he a, was a fun, fun. guy. Yeah. I, I mean, he was genuine. And I, I think back yeah. to, well, the, I'm thinking of the one that we're about ready to get into the family interview that I did with my dad, where he said the yeah. theological basis. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I listened to that a couple times and just thought, yeah, man, alive. I can't believe that guy's my dad. I can't yeah. believe I sat under him for so long. I and know. there was periods of time that I took him for granted and just didn't even, didn't even really take him seriously. Right. Cause yeah. of my own sin, my own backsliding sin. And I was just like, man, I should have, I should have paid attention more. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have had to go to Bible school if I just would have listened to him preach. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you sat under him so long and still turned out the way you did. That's kind of. Yeah. I'm well, just kidding. It takes a church to raise a believer. Yeah, um, there you go. Doesn't take a Bible college. We'll talk <laughs> about that because I, I have a weird view about Bible colleges too. I, oh, I yeah. believe that if the church was doing its job, there would be no need for what we're doing or Bible colleges. Mm, that's a good, uh, that's a really, that's a good point, but yeah. But we get to have fun and uh, yeah. enjoy it. All right. So we're talking about teaching kids. Jeff, yeah. you were a pastor for quite a time, some time. You do yeah. kids ministries all the time. Yeah. I was a CF missionary, was a youth pastor. So when I think about raising kids and teaching kids, specifically just the teaching part, okay? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that can be said, but I, w- I wanted to try to narrow down some things. And so let me just give you a couple things. I'll let you riff off of it. And if you yeah. can think of any to add, then go ahead and add. So the first thing okay. that's really important about teaching kids is this, is that the gospel is always of first importance. Yes. Always gospel. Always talk about the gospel. Yeah. Teach them the gospel. Put them in opportunities to hear the gospel. Uh, let them go to five-day clubs. Let them go to camps. Always the gospel. Yes. Um, man, I, even with my toddlers, I, uh, I I broke out all my CEF stuff. Oh, I, that's cool. I did the gospel fuzzies. You know that song? Yes. The gloves. And it's got the, where the gospel fuzzies, where the gospel fuzzies. Yeah. My kids love that. I, Kaya, I, still, Kaya still plays with hers that she got, that, uh, that Chloe got. So if you, if you, if you've never heard the gospel fuzzy song and you're watching this video or you're listening, stop us right now. Go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Look up the gospel fuzzy song. It is. It's amazing. It's amazing. My, my kids think the gospel fuzzies are real people. <laughs> Ezra gave the gospel fuzzies last night a hug. Oh. He, didn't, he didn't hug me good night. He hugged the gospel fuzzies. AJ gave him a hug and then went to sleep with his football. It was, it was adorable. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. But always gospel. You agree with that? Always I gospel. Do. Always, always the gospel, yes. And in, in, in every way imaginable, too. I mean, you really want to inundate them with the gospel because the one thing that you want them to get out of and get – and they understand beyond a shadow of a doubt is the essence of the gospel that you want them to get that because at that foundation doesn't matter what happens from that point. If they move to another church or whatever, and they know the gospel, they're going to be able to determine heresy. They're going to be able to determine what's right and what's wrong. Um, they're going to be able to, to have a foundation to look on. So yeah, you right. get, get them in the gospel. And uh, it's the makes, dad's responsibility, right? It is. It is the dad's Not responsibility. Not the church's. Right. We yeah. supplement. We supplement. Yes. We help. The church helps. Yeah. That's one thing I always said as a youth pastor is, as with the parents is, is my job is to help 
what you're already doing in the home. I, I'm just, I'm just here to supplement and to, to, to build upon what you're already doing, what you should already be doing in yeah. the home. My job is not the, the sole um, Bible teacher to your kids. That's your job. My job is to add legs to it, to, to help it grow, to help, to help you do that in your home. So yeah, that's, that's important. I'm glad you brought that out. Uh, another thing, I'm going to put a couple together here real quick. Um, but pray together and, and read the Bible together and, and, and walk them through text, teach them mm-hmm. how to read the Bible, teach them, teach them Bible doctrines, yeah. go over Bible doctrines, help them with Bible memory, pray with them, uh, I think that's so important, man. I, I gotta be honest as a youth pastor, when I was a youth pastor, CEF guy, I felt like, I felt like I was always fighting an uphill battle because the parents weren't doing some stuff at home. Then they bring the kids to me. I have them for an hour. The kids mm-hmm. get all screwed up and the parents come back to the youth pastor and say, what man, you you're a terrible youth pastor. Yeah, yeah. Why can't you influence my kid? I don't yeah. know. Maybe because they're with you most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and one, together. Read, yeah, yeah. Read one thing Bible. on that, one thing on that too is, you know, when you're going through that, don't shy away or, or dumb down to the point of, of error, of error, you know, what you're, what you're sharing with them. My five-year-old has questions all the time. Like she's, she's questioning me about without knowing what she's questioning me about. She's questioning me about the hypostatic union. You know I mean? She's, right. she, you know, she's, she's asking some of those questions and Laura and I are, are talking her through that, you know, I mean, that's not an easy, that's not an easy thing to explain to a five-year-old, but my fear is if we give her a bad explanation now, just because it's easy, that it'll be harder later to undo that because she'll have grown up to that point understanding it in one particular way. And so don't shy away from some of those hard, they may not be able to get it and you may not be able to explain it in a way that they can always get it, but don't lie. Don't dumb, don't dumb down to error the gospel or, uh, or, or or any concept in there just because you think they're too young to understand it. You need to give it, give them the truth. And that's, and that's been really good. I mean, uh, that, that I think uh, is is what they want more than anything, even if they don't really get it. And I'll be honest with you. If you know the doctrine, you are able to communicate that doctrine to a five-year-old. Yeah. I don't care who you are. They're, they're yeah. your kids. You know how to yeah. talk to them. Yeah. The problem comes when people don't know the doctrines, and then they try to articulate those doctrines, and right. they fail because they don't understand mm-hmm. it. So yeah. you got to know it for yourself. You got to feed yourself before you yes. can even feed your kids. That's that's a great. But, but then, but then, you know, teaching isn't just okay. Let's sit down right before we eat, and I'm going to give you a lecture, yeah. a three part lecture on the hypostatic union and the different views. You know, <laughs> let's start off with Arianism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, like like it comes from questions. I mean, you yeah. read. You you can you can proactively do things. You talk about the pastor sermons. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can do you can do all of those things. Right. You can do all of those things. Um, uh, you know, when you're out about, just watch a movie, talk about what's wrong about the movie, what's right mm-hmm. about the movie, make every moment a teaching moment, uh, every moment, a, a teaching opportunity, uh, man, it, you're responsible. The parents are responsible for the well being yeah. of the kids, yeah. spiritual well being as well. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, dads, dads, especially. Dads, especially. This is one. This is one area, and I'll be honest with you. This is an area that I struggle with some because I didn't have. I didn't have that spiritual role model growing up. And that's not an yeah. excuse. It's just right. in fact the reality that I know that my job has to be, I need to do more and do better because right. I don't have that to draw on. So I have to really, I have to be extremely intentional and I fail sometimes. I mean, yeah. that's just the way it is, but, but the, but you, we have to do that. We have to, as dads, that's our role and our job. We have to do that and be that biblical model for those kids yeah. and do that. So, and, and I think one of the great, the great lubricants uh, of conversation, spiritual conversation is the sermon. Oh man. Mm-hmm. I just to take the pastor's notes or write your own notes or make your kids write the notes and then talk through the notes. Oh man. I, some parents, they're really good. And, and even with five-year-olds, they say, just draw a picture of what you understand from yeah. the sermon. Yeah. You know, so sometimes children's church kind of ruins our kids for us. Yeah. And, and if they're not good teachers and they don't get it. Yeah. Okay. So th- that's another one. So, all right. So here, here's another thing that I think is really important. Um, what, what normally is taught to kids are norm is normally caught from the parents. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, if the parents, if, if the parents are doing something, then the kids, the kids will nine times out of 10 follow the parents. Yes. So, so if the parents, if the parents wake up on Sunday morning and go, Oh, we got to go to church. Yep. Then what do you think the kids are going to do? Their, oh. their attitude towards church is going to be that, Oh, we have something we have to do. We've got yeah. to go do this. Yeah. If the kids are, if the parents are like, Oh, I'm not going to prayer meeting. That's a waste of time. And then all of a sudden their kids then don't want to spend time in prayer. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because you as a parent have conditioned them. Well, so, and you, you, you're telling them by your actions that these things are not important. These yeah. are, these, these are optional things that really make no matter because we'll tell you to clean your room more than we'll, we'll pray with you. And we'll, right. you know, we'll, we'll do the, we'll do these things. We'll, uh, you will do the fun stuff. You know, we'll watch this on TV more than we'll sit down and share the word with you. That's right. Those types of things. And so those, the, what we do tells those kids what's important. That tells right. our kids what's important. That's right. We tell them school's more important than church. You got to have yep. your homework done before you can go to church. Activities. Yeah. Tells it tells them that your curveball is a mm-hmm. better standard of who you are as a person than whether you're praying and, and you're more Christ-like. Yeah, man. Right. I, 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 I've heard so many dads and so many parents teach their kids how to make a good living and mm-hmm. not how to teach well yeah. or live well. Yeah. That, I mean, there's a big difference. And, huge difference. and I don't want to, I don't want to chase that rabbit too far, but the one thing that I think, and I want us, I want us to do a podcast on this at some point or do a little segment on this or whatever is, is when we have that thought process and we're teaching them to, to, to make more money or be a mm-hmm. doctor or whatever the case may be is whatever. instead yeah. of being, instead of being biblical, we're limiting God. We're saying God can't take care of you. If you follow after him, you Good have point. to take care of yourself. And so, <laughs> so, so we're actually teaching them that God is not big enough to really handle <clears throat> the big important things. He's only good enough for, Sundays, Wednesdays, when we really need him or when something drastic happens and we want ever. So, so remember, I mean, those, that is what we're telling our kids, but if we're teaching them that, you know, no matter what happens to us, you know, God is always taking care of 
God is always going to take care of you. And I think about, um, and, and, and like I said, I fail a lot of times, but one thing that I know that Laura and I have, um, have really modeled and tried to tell the kids is, you know what, we, we don't, we don't make a lot of money. We don't have a lot of things. We, you know, we, we don't, but no matter where we've been, when we follow God and we do, you know, you know, God has never let us down. He has yeah. never, uh, uh, dropped us. And, and, and we know that it's because that we have dedicated our lives to serving him mm. in whatever capacity that he's, he's put forth. And I, and I, we want our kids to see that. And so we, and we teach them, we show them that through what we do and what we place is important in our lives. Yeah. So, so that's the God that we want, you know, that's how we want our kids to see God. That's not, um, that's how, yeah, that's how we want them to see, see the Lord. Yeah. Hey, that's great. I, I agree with that. Um, God will take care of you. You don't have to become a doctor. All right. I mean, next. and if he does, if he leads you to be that, that's great, but he'll still take care of you. Yeah. He'll still take yeah. care of you, but that's yeah, the, just, you, just, just because you know really big words about <laughs> for the tummy. Yeah, for the tummy. Care of you. All right. Um, big so words when I was, for the tummy. That's right. Big words for the tummy. <laughs> I had to get a pin because you had a pin and it looked really cool. Right. So it does. Um, okay. So the next one, obedience, as far as, as far as I know, commands to children, most of the commands are, are aimed at the parent, right? The only command towards children in the new Testament is obey your parents. Obey your parents. Yep. That is the fundamental job of the parents is to teach obedience, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. and when I think of obedience, I don't think of, of disciplining your kid because they, they were in the wrong position as a point guard while they were playing mm-hmm. basketball or, mm-hmm. you know, they were playing tight end and instead of blocking, they did a hold and you yell at them from the grandstands and then you <laughs> belittle them. That, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when they disobey God's law, yes. then, then we, then we give them an appropriate punishment for disobeying God's law. Right. Okay. Right. We teach you them know, to be obedient to us. And, and, and that obedient to us is the same as being obedient to God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one thing, uh, Todd, I listened to Todd Friel as well. I don't know if you're familiar with Todd Friel, but um, he made this statement and it, it impacted me because I've, I've been guilty again. I'm not perfect. I've been guilty yeah. of doing this, but he said, are you punishing your kids because they disobeyed God's law or because they embarrassed you or because right. it, 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 it upset what you wanted, not necessarily what God wanted. And man, that was, <laughs> that was, that was huge to, to my parent. Cause that really made me think, you know, am I doing this because it, uh, it inconvenienced me. And so I got mad or am I doing this because this is something that they're doing that, that, that they need to learn that to obey, you know, that, that's, that's the difference there. So. Yeah. And, and I think consistency and discipline. So this will then lead on to discipline. Mm-hmm. So consistency and discipline, you know, we teach them to obey. And then when they disobey God's law or they disobey us, because that's their job, their job, yeah. their, their responsibility until they, till they leave the house is to be, is to be obedient to their, to their parents. Okay. Yeah. Um, how we discipline them, man, is so vital. So vital because it's got to be consistent and it can't be just one parent doing the disciplining. Right, man, man. I, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've noticed, I've even noticed even within my wife and myself as we're, 
punishing our kids and disciplining our kids. There are some times where I'm softer on some things that she's made as rules because I think they're stupid, right? They're dumb, but she set them up as a rule. Yeah. And, and so I don't punish them the same way as a rule that I set up. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I'm not consistent. I'm not consistent. Right. Yeah. I'm not consistent all the way across the board. And yeah. so there's certain, so those kids, they pick up, okay, dad's going to, yeah. dad's going to let us get by if we do this. Mm-hmm. If we're in public, dad won't spank us. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, like they'll learn, they'll learn yeah. those, those gauges. So there's gotta be consistency, but then there's also gotta be teaching them through sin. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is what I mean. What I mean is when they sin, you just don't tell them that they did wrong. Right. You tell them, this is how you're supposed to act next time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so Ezra <laughs> is a wild kid. He just loves, he just moves, man. And I get him. I, he does what I think what I want to do all the time. So, um, but man, we're trying to get him to a prayer time to, to close his eyes and man, he just, he wants to move, he wants to run. And, and so we're now teaching him what, when we get time to pray, this is what you do. And we're, yeah. we're doing prayer exercise. <laughs> you close your eyes, you know, yeah. but that's what we're doing. We, yeah, it's, yeah. Not just, it's not just, you're doing wrong. You're doing wrong. You're doing wrong. You're doing wrong. It's right. you're doing wrong. This is what I expect. Right. So next time I don't have to sit there and explain to you my expectations. Right. <sighs> Disciplining kids are tough, man. It is, and it is this hard. is the other thing I've learned about being a parent. And, um, I don't know of any kid that's easy to raise and, and every kid has his own proclivity. And so just because your kid doesn't have a certain proclivity doesn't mean that you have the right to look down your nose at another parent whose kid has a more obvious proclivity. Right. Yeah. Um, and just because, just because you might be able to control your kid at a certain point, don't look down at kids that, you know, that, that, that are had a little bit more trouble and parents have to, have to struggle. Right. A little bit That's more. the human nature though. Right. I mean, it's it the, it's the, yeah, the, yeah. See, okay. I'm not as bad as that one right there. So I'm That's doing, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, any more, uh, any more, I see things like that. I, I just think, you know, God bless her. I know she, I look back, I'm at a conference uh, this week and there's been some, you know, people that have brought their kids and, and things to the conference. And I saw one poor mom today. I, I, she's dragging four kids behind her and you can see it on her face, man. I mean, you can see it. I mean, they're like, they're like seven and below and they're like oh, two man. years apart all the way down. And she's got, she's got one of them just kind of pulled by the arm and you can just see on her face, like, please shoot me now. Yeah. And, I, and, and my heart goes up to because I feel that, you know, I, I've been there, you yeah. know, I, I have, I have seen, seen that in action in my life. And, uh, that's what we got to do. I mean, Laura's, Laura's done that in the grocery store. She's had all the kids with her and gone to the grocery store and she's actually had people come up to her and say, I, you know, you're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that makes her feel so much better. Because yeah. she feels like when Cole's screaming and Carter's climbing the buggy and, you know, and Kaya's wandering yeah. off, going, picking up a wine bottle, going, Mama, what's this? You know, it's yeah. like, put that down. You know, uh, that, uh, you know. Juice, special juice. juice. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that everything's going wrong. But, but yeah, we yeah. need to encourage, we need to encourage each other as parents, but and right. not look down and. And not do yeah, that. Pray for good. each other. Pray, pray for, for each other. Yeah. It's we're tough. in a battle together. <laughs> we are. We are. We're in the same trenches and we're trying to keep our kids in the trenches too. And there's more of them than there are of us. So that's right. <laughs>
just for sanity's sake. Just for sanity's sake. But anyway. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really important. And I, I, and, and don't, the other thing that drives me nuts. Oh my, it's driving me nuts. This happens all the time is, is older people will come up to me and say, well, when, when, when I raise my kids, we, oh, we would spank them. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, I spank my kid too. It's just that the type of spanking I do, you might call the cops on me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause my right. kid, yeah. he gets it. He gets yeah. it. He, yeah. There's times he can't even sit down. He gets it. Right. Yeah. I, so we fight those wars. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and it's tough cause I'm the pastor. So <laughs> half the time I'm teaching. So Krista has to deal with the kids by herself right. and, yeah. and they, they're just nuts. So, yeah. yeah. So that drives me nuts. And then, and then the other thing that drives me nuts is when parents start comparing their kids and like, well, don't be like so-and-so. Oh yeah. 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 There, there's just start using politicians. Just do that with politicians. <laughs> don't be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, one other thing that I wanted to talk about with teaching kids that I, I think is really important, man, is, is it goes along, but I think it's a little bit different. It's, it's show your growth as a believer. Yes, man, man. Don't show your kids that when you fail, apologize to them, show them, you know, don't, don't show them everything, but, but like demonstrate before them, what a true believer looks like and, and, and show that so that when they will go back and they'll say, yeah, my dad, man, he's grown. He's grown mm-hmm. as a believer. I could see growth and that's what growth looks like. Yeah. So man. Well, I, and you know, and there the, you got to think of it this way. Those kids are looking at you on how to be an adult. They're looking at their, their, from, from the earliest age, they are looking up to you as their sole source of how do I do this thing called life? And yep. if you pretend like everything is fine, they're going to feel like a failure. They are going to feel, and then they're going to get to a point where they don't have a clue what to do. They need to see you. They need to see it when you, when you fall and how you get back up. And one of the best ways to do that is when you screw up in parenting with them is go back and say, you know what? I messed up yep. and I'm sorry. And I need you to forgive me for that. Yeah but this is what I was trying to do. And this yep. is why, this is why it made me mad or whatever yeah. the case may be, you yeah. know? And so, so they see, Oh, wow. That's, it's not just, it's not just all hunky dory. Dad makes mistakes. Mom yep. makes, mom makes mistakes, but they own that mistake. And then they didn't dwell in that mistake they got for they asked forgiveness. They they handled it biblically. They you know they might not think biblically, but I mean they they see the model of you handling it yeah. biblically, and then you move forward from that. Um, one of the one of the ways that we one of the things that that has that I noticed in us doing that because we haven't always done that um, is now when something happens, you know it's it happens. We punish the kid, and it's over. Yeah, we're not. We don't dwell on it, and Cole, especially because he's real sensitive at, at this age, he, you know, he'll kind of look at you and like, and I just tell him, no, "Buddy, I'm not mad at you. I love yeah. you, and everything's fine." And it's this realization that gets he gets on his face, like, "Oh, well, okay, well, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to continue to fuss and whine and cry about it." It's over. 
yeah. to, to you. I mean, I got the punishment. We're on and you still love me and we go forward. And that, and that means a lot. They, they see that and they see that progression of how they supposed to do it. And then when things happen and I come home and I'm, I'm frustrated because of something that happened or, or whatever. And then I say, you know what? Um, it's just a, you know, it's just a, just a bad day, not a bad life. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. you know, they see me go to the Lord in prayer or they see Laura and I praying together or something like that. And then we go on and it's over. They yeah. see that and they understand that they, they get that model of this is how it's supposed to be. This yeah. is how, this is how things are supposed to work. I can, yeah. you know, I know when I get upset how to handle it now because I've seen mom and dad do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I was even thinking even more like, that's great. And I was also thinking like, even when you're like making decisions, mm -hmm. having those kids watch you make decisions, Oh yeah, man, I've watched my dad ask for advice on things and, and oh, I've even, yeah. so, so my dad's a pretty, pretty good hunter. Like he knows mm -hmm. what he's doing. You know, mm -hmm. I, he'll say he's not very good, but he's good. He's always, he always is successful in the woods, but man, there are guys who don't know anything and they'll come up and they'll tell my dad what he's doing wrong. And I've watched how my dad handled that. And there are some times where he said, you know what? That guy's right. That's what we need to be doing. And I was like, what? Whoa, you're the hunter. That guy's yeah. not the hunter. Yeah. So, so the ability to say that guy's right. But then, but then when the guy's all wet, you know, he's able to say, well, you know, so, so, so just watching how they grow. And then I watched my dad as he studied and I watched my dad as he would listen and he would take correspondence mm -hmm. courses. I just, I just watched it. He probably wasn't even know. He didn't even know I was watching some of this. Yeah. And, and a lot of that was then has, has gone over to, to me and just mm -hmm. saying, okay, well I'm not the say all end all theologian. You know, there's other guys. And so, so just watching him grow as, as even a believer. And, and, yeah. and I remember where he was before and seeing where he is now and just going, man, man, this is awesome. This is yeah. what God can do. So I think that's really important. I think it's really important, especially now that I'm an adult, I appreciate that aspect more than when I was a teenager. Cause yeah. as a teenager, I would take opportunity to, to kind of undercut them and say, well, yeah. you still fail. You still fail. And I, I don't cause I'm a yeah. teenager. But as an adult, <laughs> as an adult, which yeah. is the most significant part of my life, my teenager yeah. years were not a significant part of my life. Right. Yeah. Right. Fleeting. Like, yeah. yeah. Very fleeting. But now like, this is the part of my life that I actually care about yeah. and, and is very important yeah. now, you know, that's what, that's where it yeah. matters. Yeah. That's where it matters. And so, yeah, I, hopefully that helps people about teaching yeah. their kids. And realizing, realizing that, you know, teaching your kid is much more than sit down and open up the Bible and, and this is, this is what we're going to do. And, and we've already done podcasts of how you, how you do family devotions. And mm -hmm. I think there's a, something a little bit extra episode where we talked about, uh, you know, the process of doing family devotion and, you know, just reading the Bible, explaining a particular text, and then applying that particular text to your kids yeah. and your family. As a dad, you're the one that knows better than anyone else. Yeah. of what's going on underneath your household better than even any pastor could. Yeah. Um, well, so and let's, uh, let's put this in the context and, and dads, this is something that may be a, a, um, wake up call for you. But the reality is, is that you're the theologian of the home. Yeah. I mean, let's just be That's honest it. Your yeah. your, your job is not to be able to translate to your son, you know, if that, that that's a nickel defense, you know, or that they're, you know, or they're, you know, running an option or that, you know, that they're, you know, uh, playing, you know, playing 
towards third, you know, play yeah. towards right field or whatever the case may be. That's not your main function, but we're, yeah. we're more apt to do that than we are, you know, studying the word of God and teaching the word of God. But our right. main job is that, is that head of the household, that spiritual head of the household that teaches the word. So that means for us that we have to be in the word more. That's we right. have to study more, even if you're not a pastor or, or, or an elder or hold some position in the church whatsoever. Your job as a dad is enough to to compel you. It should be enough to compel you to the, be the best theologian for your home that you possibly can be, to, to rightly divide the word of truth and to exposit mm-hmm. God's word so that you can explain that and raise up good godly children. That's why I think um, that we have a, a disconnect when kids get out of the home and get into college and do those things because we don't have, we have as dads, we haven't been that theologian in the home that we need to be. Yep. And so, and it's hard. It's not an easy task. It right. is not something that, you know, you can just at one day say, you know, oh, I guess I'm just going to be, you know, I'm just going to be the head of the household. And I'm going to do this. No, you have to be somebody that they're willing, they're, they're willing to follow. You have to be somebody who knows their stuff. You have to be somebody that's willing to put in the time and effort to be those things for your family. That's because right. It's your responsibility. And guys, I, I had a I had a single mom tell me one time uh, her kids were in uh, in one of my youth groups, and she said, "I would not want the responsibility that God places on a man in." in the marriage because it is daunting and it is, but God, God chose us to do that because, because he's prepared us and he's equipped us to be able to do that. You may not know, you may not know those, how to do every, you know, you may not read Greek or do those things, but you can study the word of God. And there's enough help out there to help you study the word of God, to be that theologian for the home. So let me, let me say this as an encouragement to you, be that theologian. It's an encouragement to me too. And it's a challenge to me too. I have to do that. I'm not a Caleb Hilbert who sits with a massive library of books behind him. Like, Like he's at the Metropolitan Library or something. I mean, uh, I'm not that guy, but I have to I have to work hard to try to be the theologian for my home. I have to have those conversations with my wife, with my children. I have to study. um, And that's that's what God calls us to do. That's who God calls us to be. And I believe that if we do that. Not only will um, not only will our Christian walk be better, mm. we'll, we'll we'll be more fulfilled. We'll, we'll do we'll do better in the church, but our wives will be more of a biblical, godly wife that, yeah. that we desire for them to be. They'll they'll desire us more because their heart is after that. Okay, and then our kids will be the same way. Our kids will will want to follow after that more and the kids will will see that model and they'll desire those things of God more. And so. Let that be a challenge, guys. Let this whole uh, let this whole talk today be a challenge to you as a husband and a father to be that be that guy in the home. If you don't have kids yet, you still have to be that guy in the home. If you're right. not if you're not married yet, now is the time to start being that guy. That's right. And then and when you become married, it's not going to be a shock to your system. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so. Anyway, that's my that's my two cents. Well, and and just just we're going over. It doesn't matter. We might as well just do it. Might um, as well. 
So, so even, even in my own life, I was thinking back to my own life and how the Lord led me through th- different things. You know, I, I never went to a prestigious school. Um, I, I never really went to, uh, you know, some of my mentors, you'll never even know who they are. Uh, I'm a product of a local church. Mm-hmm. That's what I am. Yeah. I went to the local church. I, 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 uh, you know, I, I followed my dad. I listened to my dad. Uh, there, there was different men that, that poured into my life. I went to a couple no name schools. I'm going to a seminary. Nobody's ever heard of It's King James weirdness. And, yeah. uh, the, the, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord gives grace. And, and, and you got to remember too, that the church, though it is supplemental for your kids, it is the place where you also learn too. do not forsake yeah. the local church and do not, do not forsake reading. Like yeah. I, I know Ecclesiastes says, do not be a slave to many books. And, and I, and I agree as a man who that's what he does for a living reads. Yes. <laughs> it is the worst calling. Yeah. The worst call. <laughs> but, but I'll be honest. I'm not particularly smart. I just read well and I listen well. And, <laughs> I read and I good. Yeah. I read gooder. I read, good. no, I read, I read good authors. I, I, I care about good authors and I, yeah. and, and I read until I understand and, and I spend time in God's word and I, and I'm trying to be very particular. I listen to guys who care about God's word. They talk more about Jesus and God's word. They're expositors. That, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Okay. God does not work through Bible colleges. He doesn't work through all these other things. He works through a local church. Yeah. And, and so as a way of encouragement, don't forsake the local church and don't think that you have to be super intelligent because to be honest with you, none of us here at the Maze project podcast are brainiacs and we've been to a whole bunch of no name things. And we, we are just a bunch of guys. Like, I mean, we, I mean, what we met in Idaho where yeah, there's like 20 right? people. Yeah. Where there's 20 people. 20 so people. it's not like, yeah. it's not like we're huge, huge, big name theologians, but yeah. the Lord gives grace. That's the point. The That's Lord right. gives grace and, and, and we're all supposed to be responsible for ourselves and for our family, especially if you're a man. Um, yeah, yeah you, you are, you are the head of the household. You are the provider spiritually and physically, but we'll get into that when we talk about the man, cause we still have other episodes to do. Yep. Yes. Yes. So hopefully, hopefully that helps some of you on just teaching children yeah. a lot, a lot. And we didn't even get, we didn't even scratch the service on teaching children, mm-hmm. but, but hopefully that will help you uh, as you train your kids and then they go to school go to church and they'll be able to listen yeah. so uh thank you so much for watching yeah oh, our first our first video podcast or what a- Ho- hopefully we'll be able to do this more i kind of like this setup a little bit better yeah uh, you know jeff jeff has he's the man he's the man with the money in the programs so Okay. Maybe programs, but not the money. Yeah. We're pretty poor. Um, but you can send us money. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, we're, we're the only ministry that tells you, give your money to your local church. That's right. Absolutely. Give it to an expositor. Yep. Go to a yep. church that has an expositor and give and money. Support to them. them. Yep. Absolutely. Them. Absolutely. We, we'll, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. But what we do want is we want your comments. We want your questions. We want, uh, we want you to interact with us. So interact with us at the Emmaus project podcast.com. Uh, you can, uh, send us an email. Um, uh, yep. Hashtag put those hashtags on your Twitter and, uh, we'll get those. We'll check out 
we'll check out that stuff and uh, let us know. Let us know what you think about this. Let us know what challenges you have. Let us know what your thoughts are on on the podcast and uh, and and things. We've got uh, we've actually got some here uh, in the last uh, couple of months. Some guys wanting to check some stuff out. Want to let you know um, that I'm looking into some of that stuff. I'm has a lot of material that was uh, sent over to us that I'm I'm weeding through. We're going to be able to answer that um, in in some future segments. So don't think that we forgot about that. But we do get uh, those. We do answer those, and uh, we love it. We love it when you interact with us. So do that. Yeah. Don't forget. Leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, helps us to uh, to spread the word a little bit about what we're doing here, and uh, tell people tell people to listen. Right. That's right. And and tell them tell them that Jesus loves exposition. Absolutely. And exposition. Exposition. It, that's the key. That yep. that's that's the basis. That's the hub for everything yep. else. Yep. God's word. When yep. God's people hear God's word and love God's word, God type of things happen. So. Yep. Thank you so much for watching. I am the stretch out couch potato Chuck Norris, along with the Tim Tebow of podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm adopting that one. That's mine from now on. The Tim <laughs> Tebow of podcasting. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't, I don't know what e- that means. I don't either. I have as no clue. As you were talking to your hair, you looked like Tim Tebow on ESPN. Yeah. You see. did. Like there was like there was like the moment where you went like this and I was like, oh, Tim Tebow. <laughs> Does that mean, that mean I need to Can't that, hit a curveball? <laughs> Does that mean I need to tweet to your sister for her birthday? Or are you gonna handle that for me? I'll, I'll pretend. Ah. <laughs> I'll pretend. We'll pretend, we'll all pretend to be Tim Tebow. No, the problem is Tim Tebow's already tweeted her. So Yeah, I know. It's, it's over now, yeah. We've got to find somebody else. So. All right. Well, we are out. Thanks for listening to the Emmaus Project podcast. You can find more information on Facebook, Twitter, uh, we also have a blog, the Emmaus Project blog. Be sure to check that out. Emails at the Emmaus Project Podcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Emmaus Project Podcast.